0: Hello and welcome to the High Reliability Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Martin, president of Goslin Martin Associates. As always, the High Reliability Podcast is brought to you by the Career Hub. The High Reliability Podcast is the only podcast that focus, focuses specifically on the area or in the area of healthcare facilities management. Today, we're happy to welcome Dennis Morelli to the High Reliability Podcast. Dennis is the Shelter, Property, and Projects Manager at Peace Ridge Sanctuary in Brooks, Maine. It's a position that Dennis has held for nine months. Prior to his transition to Peace Ridge Sanctuary, Dennis was the Director, Design, and Construction at Maine Health for five years. So if you were wondering, why is Dennis Morelli on? There's that connection to healthcare. In his role, Dennis had oversight of construction for the entire Maine Health system. So Dennis had a um, you know high level relative there. That's where we actually met Dennis when we were doing work for when Jack and I were doing work for Maine Medical Center. Prior to being elevated to the director role, Dennis had been a project manager with Maine Medical Center. Dennis has also worked for architectural firms in Cambridge, Mass, and Portland, Maine. He's also served as an instruction, instructor at the Boston Agric- Ac- Architectural College. I must say we're recording this a little bit later, so if I say a couple of words. I feel like I'm a little off my game. It's past my bedtime, but I appreciate Dennis making time. Like most of you are probably listening, I'm an early morning person as opposed to a a night person. But anyway, so I apologize in advance. Dennis has his Bachelor of Architecture, which is a five-year degree from Roger Williams University located in my home state of Bristol, Rhode Island. Dennis served for 11 years as a member of the U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary and he has also volunteered and served as a board member for Peace Ridge Sanctuary prior to being employed by them. Just about, uh, just a bit about where Dennis works now, Peace Ridge was founded in 2001 in order to address animal cruelty, neglect, and exploitation, and to promote vegan ethics in New England. Peace Ridge advocates for all animals, farm animals, equines, companion animals, and wildlife. It's situated on one thousand seven hundred and twenty-five acres in the rolling hills of beautiful midcoast Maine. They run two state-licensed nonprofit shelters that are currently home to over four hundred rescued farm animals, equines, and companion animals that come from all types of situations where they've been neglected, exploited, or abused. So, Dennis, welcome and thank you for taking time to uh, to talk with us.
1: It's great to be here, Peter. Thank you.
0: Oh, our pleasure. Dennis's career path uh, was really interesting. And that's why I asked if he if he would be a guest because, you know, we talk a lot about healthcare facilities management, planning, design, construction, environment of care. But then we also talk about interesting careers that people take um, away from healthcare facilities management. And certainly Dennis has done so, which we will get into, but let's go back to the beginning. Dennis, did you always want to be an architect and what was it or what is it about the role of architect that drew your attention to a career in it?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I it's, it's hard to pinpoint when I made the decision. It was, you know, probably at a career day in high school. I think, um, I, <laughs> I shadowed a, uh, the town's uh, project manager on a construction site and we went to visit, um, and tour a new school that was under construction and just seeing the activity there, um, attending the, um, the, uh, construction meeting with the architects, uh, watching them um, uh, go through the uh, the motions of overseeing the construction and learning more about the design, and um, sort of you know that combined with always en- drawing, enjoying drawing buildings and obviously playing with Legos, as I think most architects do <laughs> when they're kids. Um, creative problem solving, you know, and then of course you take one of those career option tests that your guidance counselor gives you. And, you know, you, all those things go together and architect is at the top of the list. And so, you know, there we go. That, that just made sense, I think. Um, there you go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I think it was, it was definitely high school, probably, um, early in high school, uh, where that, uh, where that came to be.
0: Excellent. It's funny. You say Legos is when I left my house tonight, my daughter was at our, uh, dining room table, putting together, I don't know, 4,000, 4,500 piece, uh, (laughs) Marvel Avengers high rise tower. Um, she's 18 and she still loves, uh, she still loves putting them together. Good. Did you, are you from Maine originally? Are you from Mass? Where are you from originally?
1: I'm from uh, Everett, Massachusetts. So right outside of Boston. Ah, yeah.
0: Okay. Excellent. I didn't realize that. So tell us a bit, about Peace Ridge and your role Dennis. this. What types of projects do you work on? What type of responsibilities do you have
1: there? Sure. So uh, Peace Ridge has been around for 20 years, as you mentioned. Um, and our mission is to provide permanent sanctuary at our facilities for animals that were abused, neglected um, and treated or treated cruelly in, in some way. Um, we are uh, we're New England's largest farmed animal shelter and the only farmed animal shelter accredited by, uh GFAS, G F A S, which is the global Federation of animal sanctuaries. Um, it's a global accreditation body that, um, that certifies uh, shelters and sanctuaries like ours. Um, the closest one to us being in, uh, in New York, I believe. Um, so we have, we have two shelters, as you mentioned, operating. Um, we actually have two more on the way, uh, this year. Um, and at any given time we have, uh, you know, 450 animals or so, um, uh, from uh, horses, donkeys, chickens, turkeys, goats, sheep, uh, everything in between. Um, and so it's it's a very uh, very active and very uh, interesting place. Um, and so it, as any you know, nonprofit, and um, we we have a small team, um, and a lot of us wear many different hats. Uh, but my primary role is the property and project manager so i am um, i maintain the buildings grounds vehicles equipment infrastructure fix anything anything that needs to be repaired schedule service for vehicles really anything that involves the physical operations of the facility Um, i i may be uh, you know building um small barns and um and other things like that as well Uh, and that includes snow plowing and sanding as well which was uh interesting thing over this this past winter i had never done that before and you know took a little bit of a bit of a learning curve and you know you the first telephone pole that you hit you know, learn to <laughs> avoid that one in the future and um, you know where all the rocks are and where the divots are and the, you know all that stuff and got stuck a few times but you know it, it comes with the territory now i'll be prepared for for next winter um <laughs> did you did you
0: like snow plowing?
1: You know, it, it uh, I, when, when I first started, I'm like, oh, you know, this isn't so bad, but you know, when you get the, um, the, the blizzard that comes through and there's, you know, 20 inches of snow and it's blowing and you have drifts that are, you know, four feet high and it's two o'clock in the morning, it's like, uh, you know, yes. I don't know about <laughs> this, but, uh, but no, that's not so bad. That's not so bad. Um, luckily it wasn't a bad winter. So, um. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Fingers crossed for, for this winter coming up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's really my, my life there. It's really anything that needs to be done um, in the physical facility is, is really where I, I get the call. Um, but as I said, you know, as a small team and, and wearing many hats, um, the, you know, we have um, uh, things will come up that need really all hands on deck. And, you know, if I'm not, um, if, if I'm, I don't have anything pressing that at that time or, or even actually if we have larger projects and contractors involved, I'm the one overseeing the the design and construction of that as well. Um, but again, with, with emergency situations, um, you know, like recently we had a herd of dairy cattle that came in from a state cruelty case and I was the one there, uh, setting up the new fencing, modifying barns, getting everything ready for them to come um, you know, we had, uh, over a dozen, uh, cows that come in at one time. And obviously you need, um, need to set things up for that because they have to be quarantined. They need medical attention. They need, they have to be separated from everybody else. So, so getting the facility prepared for that, um, is something that I would do. Um, you know, in addition, um, you know, when they arrived, um, many of them needed urgent medical attention. And I was actually the one who transported, I had a take a calf down to Tufts university, um, which is to the vet school down there or, or, uh, vet, uh, vet hospital. Um, that's a four hour drive. Is from that the, I'm just sorry. Is again. that
0: the location in Grafton in Grafton mass for Tufts? It, it is. Yep. Okay.
1: Yeah. Mm. Beautiful spot. um, and then, actually, just this past Monday, I, uh, I came back from Cornell University, which is a ten-hour drive from here. Um, one of the other cows from that uh, that rescue needed to go out to their um, veterinary hospital out there. Uh, Tuss wasn't able to give the or provide the, the specialty care that she needed, so we had to take her out to Cornell. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that, that's. Sort of when you know, with the wearing many hats, um, yeah, it's like to play. Um, and unfortunately, you know, or maybe fortunately, I'm not sure, but um, you know, a few of those cows that came in, they were actually pregnant. Um, and I was I was there helping to deliver the calves as well, you know. So it's <laughs> wow, it's really uh, it's yeah, it, it's something being there. It's no, no one day is the same for sure.
0: That's very interesting. Wow, there's a lot there. Um, yeah. let me just ask, delivering. How was it delivering calves? Was it, what was the, what's that experience like?
1: It You know, um, it's, it, that's hard to describe. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> uh, the, the two of them, uh, so actually there were three. Um, and two of them, well, I, all three of them were complicated because, you know, the cows that came in were severely neglected. So they were malnourished. They were significantly underweight. Um, so both pregnancies or uh, all three pregnancies were high risk. Um, one of them, unfortunately was a stillborn. Um, so that was, wasn't, wasn't great. Um, but the other two, um, you know, it took, um, it took some attention from us, um, and to, to ensure that it was a successful birth. Um, but both calves are, are doing great. So, um, so that's a good thing.
0: So let me just add the um so is GFAS, is that kind of like the equivalent of joint the joint commission? It is. Yes. Or what you do And are they from like a regulatory perspective Dennis how are they stringent is it kind of is it similar I know it's not similar to a joint commission but relative to you know bookkeeping and stringency and and all of that how would you compare the two?
1: Um well, so it was interesting when I first arrived at Peace Ridge. Everyone was preparing for um, a visit from Gfas. It was the first one that we were going to go through. Um, How often do they come? Well, so, um, it's uh, they come every three years. Um, it's a substantial, okay. you know, prescriptive compliance manual, and uh, there's elements of uh, operating an animal sanctuary. It's a volunteer process. It reviews operations, policies, facilities, safety. All sounds familiar, right? Um, right. <laughs> so were, yeah, it, prepared. yeah, right, exactly. And, you know, having been through that, you know, I was like, oh, well, this is, this isn't a big deal. I've been through this before. Um, and yeah, so it's, it is very similar. Um, there is a, it, it's a, like I said, it's a volunteer process. There's, um, uh, there's all the elements of participation, all the standards that are required, uh, both on the administrative side and the facility side. And they, yep, they come, they do a, a survey and, um, uh, you'll get your correction uh, points, you make those corrections, and they will come back, um, certify that, and then you're good for the next uh, three years.
0: Interesting. Does the, does, you know how everybody in the hospital, you know, you're focusing on the Joint Commission, everybody's ready, everybody's on pins and needles, everybody's waiting for them to show up. Is it the same? Is it similar for GFAS, where you are now, with your colleagues at Peace Ridge?
1: It was for the first, so this, the, when I got there in November, this was the first time that they were going to go through it. Um, it was in, an initial visit from them. Um, so there was a lot of uh, preparation that went into ensuring that you know everything was ready. Um, but, you know, once we went through it, they saw, well all of us saw what was involved. Um, I think the next time it's, it'll be less stressful. Um, and, you know, we know what to expect and the standards don't, unlike the joint commission, it's not this ever evolving change mm. that happens they they mm. are you know things do change a little bit, but for the most part it's it's fairly um um fairly most of the same types of things um just ensuring that you're keeping up with the standards um versus trying to address new ones that that come down the pike
0: so relative to like the infrastructure you know you were talking about your the projects you're working on and all, and obviously you know infrastructure and healthcare has its own, you know, its its own bucket of of skill and complexity. How is the infrastructure? And I'm sure it depends on you know if you're doing a barn. Well, obviously your infrastructure may not be as complex. But if you are in more complex projects, does infrastructure pose a not a problem, but uh, is it a is it similar to healthcare um, relative to cost, complexity, and attention?
1: Um, it's, it's, it was an interesting shift because, you know, the, the, the goals are not that dissimilar. Um, obviously the facilities are different, but mm-hmm. you know, we, as a, as a farmed animal sanctuary, we need to provide a safe and clean environment that supports the health of the animals. Um, and, you know, depending on the species that can look different, um, you know, for humans, we need pretty much the same thing to be comfortable in an environment, but, um, but animals are definitely different than that. You know, some are more well-suited for winter conditions than others. <laughs> some are okay with open stalls to the outside and some aren't. Um, some do better in heated, humid spaces where some it would actually be dangerous to their health to be in spaces like that. Um, you know, so from a, from a design and construction perspective, you know, knowing the type of environment that each species would thrive in is certainly a difference, um, when it comes to the safety for, for the animals and staff, um, there are things to consider, you know, the types of fencing and durability and strength of building materials, especially, um, locking mechanisms on doors, you know, hmm. believe it or not, donkeys can operate a door lever. lever <laughs> um, Interesting. So, so how do
0: you, uh, how do you prevent them from operating the door?
1: Well, you need doctor. to add a couple hook and eyes and, and some chain and, you know, some other things so that they can't, uh, they can't actually operate it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we, we've had a cow who unlatched a, a hook and eye as well. So, you know, they, they can, they're quite clever. They, they watch it yeah. know how things are done. Um, and you know, from, from cost perspective, it's, I mean, the, the cost today is on construction is, it doesn't matter if you're doing a healthcare project or a mm. building barn, it's, everything is escalated. Um, yeah. so, you know, it's, it, it's you're not paying that premium as you would in healthcare, but um, but we're certainly feeling, for our larger projects, um, feeling the um, the effects of of expensive building materials and um, longer lead times and contractors who are just straight out for eight months and can't get to you and, you know, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're feeling the pain too. What are yeah. the two projects you're working on now? What are those projects?
1: So we, we have, those are our two new facilities that we're building. Um, one is um, about about 20 minutes. Well, they're both about 20 minutes away from our main fi- uh, facility in Brooks. Um, one of them is in Freedom, Maine, and it's a aptly named place, we think, um, for <laughs> um, rescued horses. So equines <laughs> only. Um, so we're building a large barn there on 650 acres how many um,
0: horses could will it be able to hold?
1: Uh, we total um, that's a good question because it depends on um, the way we've built the the barn um, it it varies because you can have it depends and the horses too like some horses would mm. only need to be in one stall by themselves based upon their um, their behaviors others you can put maybe you can have two in there so it, it really depends. Um, Interesting. you know, but I could see, you know, probably, you know, 30 horses or so, um, at a facility like that at, at at a time, um, for sure. And then obviously, you know, we, I'm sure we'll expand at some point. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's the, that's the large, um, the larger uh, facility that we have under construction right now. So we are actually just getting through concrete pours this week, um, and then the other facility is a smaller one in Belfast, uh, right on the coast, um, uh, of Maine. And that it's a smaller facility. We have ones in there that's really going to have, um, a collection of, of animals and, um, it's, it's closer to sort of the, you know, the activity is of right off of route one. Um, so we see it more of a, um, Uh, not an event center, but really more of, um, you know, come meet the animals while you're here on vacation and, um, and come see what we do, come learn about, uh, what we do. Maybe there's some, um, activities or education events, things like that there. Um, but just at a smaller scale. Um, and then if folks want to come to the, to the much larger location, then they can certainly do that as well. So in your role,
0: when you're planning, the two campuses and or the two buildings. And I'm sure it probably depends on what the goals are, but are you typically like when you design a barn, take the horse or the equine, um, do you also design and plan for adjacencies, adjacent spaces and ancillary spaces? I'd imagine it must be an interesting planning process to kind of go through that. You know, you know, you need the barn, but then what else do you need? And how do you incorporate the public? Is that all part of like the planning
1: process that you go through? Yeah, it certainly is. Um, you know, there's if it's a, a facility that has multiple types of animals, um they in some instances they can't be close to one another based on um, you know, this their their um their who they are as is, as is, is animals. You know, you wouldn't put um um certain animals next to other animals because they Diseases can transfer, they can mutate, mutate. there's other things that can, can go on there. Um, you know, large horses can certainly do damage to smaller goats um, if they're all next to one another. So, you know, you want to avoid that. Um, there's things like that you need to be aware of. Um, and certainly as far as the public goes, um, you know, planning um, ways that they can come and interact with the animals without necessarily being in with them is something um, that we keep in mind. Um, there's certainly a lot of, a lot of the animals that we have welcome folks to come in and, and be pet and, you know, give them snacks and other things, but there's other animals that we just cannot do that with. Um, and so being able to separate those in certain areas, have the other animals that are more friendly in um, in other locations so that, you know, visitors can come and interact with them. It's all certainly part of, of that process. Um, you know, even as something as, you know, where do you put the compost? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. There's yep. a lot of compost that is generated in, in a farm like that. And you don't want that front and center, you know, for, um, <laughs> for everyone to see. So, you know, how does it get there? What do you need for equipment to get it there? How does it removed? Um, all that, all those kinds of things. Very, very different on the operation side. Um, but again, not unlike a hospital where, you know, where does the dirty linen go? Where does, uh, where does the food come from? Uh, where do the dirty dishes go? It's, it's all, it's all part of that. Yeah, what's your learning curve been like? Um, Well, so interestingly, I've been I've been involved with Peace Ridge for for over ten years. Um, When when it was first founded uh, back in the early two thousands, I had my wife and I had started volunteering there and ended up on the uh, at and it was at a much smaller location. It was one location on seven acres, Um, and so we uh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so we we started volunteering there. We joined the board of directors. Um, we um, became active on a capital campaign and and really pushing the um, the the development of everything. And um, and it's so it's great to see that all this is actually happening. You know, we went from seven acres. Of, I don't know, maybe fifty animals to now that we have uh, you know well over a thousand acres. Um, and over 450 animals. So, um, so I, I had known, and and I, had, you know, been as a volunteer, been engaged in a lot of the, the farm animal stuff, you know, while working at the hospital. So, um, so it was uh, the learning curve. You know, is it, I had already sort of anticipated what it would be. Um, so there wasn't it wasn't a whole lot of a, of a, of a curve there. Um, more just sort of adjusting to a, a different different lifestyle, different way of life, um, you know, working outside versus behind a computer.
0: I was going to say how much of your time is spent outside versus inside?
1: And I mean, you, (laughs) depends on what the project is, but, um, it's, you know, I, I, I do not have an office. My office is my truck. Um, and I have my iPad and I, I travel as needed and to the different facilities. Um, but the, the majority of my time is, is, um, is outside um, repairing things and and in either in the barns repairing things or outside repairing things or, or something like that.
0: So even in the winter time when there's snow on the ground, cold temperatures, it's outside. And if you need to go in, it's, it's your truck uh, that serves as the office.
1: Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, when, when a fence gets kicked out and it's, it's two degrees and the wind is blowing from the Northeast, you, you got to fix it. So
0: yeah. <laughs> How do you keep track? You know, you got what, 1,725 acres. I think that's what it said, at least in the intro. Yeah. How do you keep track of what needs repair? And how do you keep up to date on everything? Are you literally sure. out walking the whole time? Or, or how do you do that?
1: Most of what I, most of the uh, the items that come in are things that staff notice. Um, I do rounds as well. Um, but most of it is, you know, hey, I was in cleaning the barn today and noticed this door had fallen off its hinges. Um, or, you know, overnight, you know, a a a cow may have kicked in the door or, you know, something like that, or a roof leaked or a window broke or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the, I mean, I, I do definitely do not have, um, eyes on every building every day and and every, you know, location. So, especially with multiple locations, um, so I definitely rely heavily on, on our staff to report things to me.
0: So are you also the, I mean, I know it's not in the title, but are you also the pretty much the facility manager?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm it, I'm everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's any, like I said, anything having to do with the, the, the facility in quotes um, and how it operates is, is, is me. Um, it, and I'm, I'm the only one, you know, our our director helps out with things uh, as as she's able, you know, she helps, did a lot of the plowing uh, with me as well. Um, But as, yeah, as far as the um, repairs, maintenance, upkeep, if there isn't a contractor or someone hired to do it under contract to do it, then it's, it's me.
0: Wow. So, you know, when we, when Jack and I were first out at May, or when we were out at May medical and we sat with you and we spoke, I think it was 2017 or 2018. And you guys, you know, at the time, at Maine Medical Center. You had the oversight of the entirety of the system. You were putting those the new patient floors in, new parking garage, new MOB. You had the project valued at roughly $600 million and you were intimately involved in every detail and you were crazed and you were all over the place with your invasive construction. And now you're you're doing what you've just described at Peace Ridge Sanctuary, outside in the northeast wind in the dead of winter. How do you describe, like, what is that like, Dennis, to transition from, you know, that massive project right downtown in Portland to doing what you're doing? Like, what has that transition been like for you? And I guess I mean that from, like, a stress level, from a decompression level, from a learning level, that's a, you know, if you think about it, and you probably have, I mean, You've gone from, you know, one area to another, massive project to massive projects for what you're doing. Like, what's that transition like for you?
1: Yeah. So, um, if, I guess if I was to compare it to the the pace that I was at, um, at the hospital, it's, you know, most of my days are, are somewhat planned. Um, you know, I have my ongoing list of things that need repair or attention or preventative maintenance and, but know, obviously emergencies always come up. Um, so, you know, much like my time at the hospital, it's, it's, it's similar in that I knew what projects I needed to pay attention to, but inevitably there was always something on a, on a job site that needed attention. Um, you know, and so the, the, I, I think the pace is similar, but, um, I get involved in a lot of different things as, as I mentioned previously. Um, you know and in the winter when we get a blizzard um, I'm here as long as I need to keep the driveway clear and sanded so that staff can take care of the animals and that can result in long days but you know you you take a day off and when, when it's when the snows cleared um, but you know as far as the 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 transitioning of the disciplines you know I think the the, the biggest change for me obviously was going from working behind a desk and overseeing construction to primarily being the person actually doing the construction. Uh, so, you uh, know, I, I've told others that I, I, traded in my ties for a tool belt um, and I, literally that's what I did. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it took a bit to get used to um, both physically and mentally, but um, you know, it's, for me, it's a much, um, I, I feel a lot better not sitting for 10 hours a day typing in front of a computer. Um, and being outside and getting things done, you know, I, I tend to be more of a results driven person. Um, if so if I see something broke, I, I want to fix it. Um, and you know, working in a, in a facility as large as main health, um, the, um, quote unquote things that are broke may take forever to fix. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, as, as, as I'm sure you understand. And, um, you know so having that more of a direct impact I think is is definitely more fitting for the the type of person that I am um, and unlike overseeing construction at a hospital if, if something isn't built right or fixed hundred percent then I'm the only one to blame for that I can't blame a contractor for it so I'm, I'm the one back out there fixing it um, and a good job the first time so um, no it's it was it's definitely a different uh, a different lifestyle but um, but I think you know you 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 work hard, um, you know, you come home, you're, you're dirty, you're exhausted and sore and you wake up the next day and ready to do it again.
0: Yeah. No, interesting. So did, um, you know, your decision-making process, you know, as, as, um, you know, as you were thinking about your career transition, did they approach you or how was, how did you, um, you know, how did you, was, was it difficult to convince you to, to switch careers essentially? Um, and did it take you a while to come to that or how did you arrive at that?
1: Um, it, so there was, there was a couple things going on, um, at, at sort of at the, well, a lot of things going on at the same time in my life. You know, I had, there there was, there was some personal items from there, personal things for me, um, you know, my dad received a, a terminal diagnosis. Um, obviously the, the pandemic changed all of our daily lives. Um, okay. The the stress of working in a hospital during a pandemic, um, you know, all of that sort of combined at once. Um, it, it all happened within a few months. Um, and it really, it made me sort of reconsider my goals in life and what I mm-hmm. wanted to accomplish. Um, I was also, I was also turning 40. So you can say that was a midlife crisis. I don't know, but, you know, <laughs> um, but it's really the result in a, in a new sports car. It, it resulted in a, <laughs> a truck um, that I could drive around my tools in. Um, but, you know, it, uh, it definitely resulted in a big career change, you know? So I think all of those things combining um, at the same time, um, just sort of maybe stop and think, you know, what what is it that I want to, doing um, with my life. Mm. Um, you know, I, I felt um, having been involved with Peace Ridge as a volunteer and on the board of directors for over 10 years and helped make the organization what it is today, I felt a much greater connection and desire to help and more of a personal investment than I did um, at Maine Health. Um, I think the, you know, the struggles I was was having coincided with the need for someone to fill the role. Um, there was, they had had, Peacebridge had, had someone sort of in the position before me. Um, he was more of a contractor handyman kind of a guy. Um, if something was broke, he'd fix it. And that was, that was pretty much it. Um, but, um, I think they were looking for something a little bit more than that. And, and I had in my mind that there was a need for something more than that. And uh, so again, it all just, it, it all happened. Um, you know, it, at the same time. So it, it was, I think it all made perfect sense to me, um, that I was struggling with, with things in, in one instance. And here, here, here's this opportunity that, um, it, it just, it just made sense for me, I think, um, to go ahead and, and, and make the leap. Um, and it involved my, so my, I should say my wife, um, had worked there, um, for I think four years, prior to me mm. um joining. So and we were living um about an hour and a half away um oh, wow. from the sanctuary almost two hours away actually. And so when we both decided, now she was only working there a couple days a week, doing most of her work at home um and going up there a few days a week, it um when we said, Well, I'm I'm now I'm gonna join the staff and I'm gonna be up there five days a week, it's like, well, we gotta sell our house, we gotta move um so you know it was it was definitely a big change for all of us um you know buying a new house in a crazy real estate market selling a house in an even crazier real estate market um and you know quitting a job starting a new one it, it was it was a lot happening there um but uh but we you know we got settled and i think uh, i think everything's everything's working out and everything's great
0: what a uh you know growing up in Everett, just outside of the city of Boston, where everything is, is is close and on top of each other, we're actually doing a recruitment right now for uh, Everett Hospital, for, for Cambridge Health Alliance, Everett Hospital, um, beautiful location overlooking, you know, the city and all, but you got the new, you got the new casino down there. Have you enjoyed your transition from Mass and from a heavily, you know, from a metro area up to, you know, Maine and, and the, the beautiful Rolling Hills?
1: Yeah. So I, you know, I, like you know, growing up in Everett, you know, I was, uh, you know, growing up in a, in a, um, a three family house, a triple decker mm-hmm. where you open up your kitchen window and pass something to your neighbor. Um, <laughs> so right. that was, that was what I knew. Um, yeah. you know, riding your bike up and down the street and the sidewalk and, um, and then moving, um, we, when we first moved to Maine, we were living in Portland. So it was a little less of, well, I should back up a little bit. So. Um, so I grew up in Everett. Um, we moved to, um, Saugus, which is a suburb, um, Mm -hmm. a little further north of Boston, a little less, um, dense than, than Everett was. But, um, and then, um, once I got, when I got married, we, I lived with my wife in Boston in the North End. So we sort of went backwards, um, living right on, on Hanover street, um, in the middle of everything. And, I love that location. Um, oh yeah, I know it's 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 a it's an awesome location. Um, yeah. five years of that became a little bit much.
0: Yeah, I uh, could see that too.
1: <laughs> yeah, so our next stop was was Portland, um, and again, right outside the, the downtown center of Portland. So still, you know, somewhat somewhat dense, but um, but then we moved to um, a house on ten acres, about twenty minutes north of Portland. Um, and then again, moved again to, um, where we are now, which is on 50 acres in the middle of the woods. Wow. Um, and Beautiful. I, I can't see my neighbors. I can't hear them. It's, and it's awesome. Um, so it, yeah, that's, uh, I, and looking back at it, I would, I, I couldn't see myself living in a, in a dense urban environment like that. I, I enjoy, I enjoy the woods. I enjoy my AT, ATV and, and riding through the woods and, um uh, <laughs> enjoying nature and, you know, seeing, seeing the wildlife and seeing the stars, you know, it's something that you don't get to see in the city. Um, yeah. you get to see a lot of them when you live where we do now. Um, yep. and yeah, just, just, you know, being more, more close to the environment, um, is, is really, I think, um, is, is in a lot of ways, uh, better, uh, better for me.
0: Sure. Sure. You talked about, you know, your career transition and I I wrote it down, you said that, um, that you asked yourself, what is it that I want to be doing with my life? And that's part of what drove, you know, your decision to move on relative to, you know, if, if you were talking to people or if there are people who are listening to this, who are considering a career transition and, you know, you hit a level, you know, you maybe you'd want to be vice president moving on from director, but you were director at a system, a major system, a major system that was growing and expanding and building you, you, you at, at a pretty young age, you know, you, you had a lot of responsibility and that's a, you know, we talk to people who have their career paths all the time and they want to hit director and some of them want to go to VP. So you were achieving from the outside, you know, from the outside people's oh, he's, a, he's achieving career goals. So, what career advice, and sorry if you I'm know, catching you off guard on this, but like for somebody who's considering a transition, like you did, you know, they're balancing, oh man, I'm on this career path, I'm working at a big system, maybe I can be VP, but my heart's really somewhere else. Is, is there advice or is, are there words that you could offer them to to help them, you know, think through that decision-making process?
1: Uh, Yeah, that is a, you know, it's a tough question because it's not, obviously it's not the, it's not the same for everyone. Um, and there's other, there's other circumstances at play. I think that, that, um, might make decisions like this more difficult for, for some versus others. Um, but you know, it's, I don't know, it it sounds cliche, but, um, uh, you know, follow, follow what your heart and your mind say, you know, or more your heart, I guess it's, you know, think about what is, what's most important in your life. Um, what do you want your legacy to be? And um, hmm. you know, I think having, having my dad go through what he did, um, you know, he was, uh, he was a year away from retirement and, and had this, had this diagnosis. And so he didn't even, you know, he worked his entire life, worked hard his entire life, multiple jobs. Um, and, and, you know, that's the thing, right? You, 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 you grow up, you go to school, you get a job and you do it all to take care of your family and then to ultimately (laughs) retire. And Mm -hmm. then finally enjoy life. Right. Yeah. Uh, But what happens if you don't get there? (laughs) What what do you want to look back and say, what, you know, was it, was it worth it? You know, did you do what you wanted to do while you were working, while you were um, living your life? Um, Cause you, you know, you, you never know, you, you, it, you, never know what could happen. Um, and I think, you know, for me, I didn't want to have that, that what if, or yeah, I should have did this or I, sh- you know, yep. yeah, it would have been great to, 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 be VP of, of whatever, but you know what it, I would have, I would not have enjoyed it or, you know, it's, I don't know, you know, you're doing it for the wrong reasons sure. or whatever you want to call it. But, um yeah I think it's i think for me it's it was really about you know thinking what what do I want the legacy to be? what do I wanna to do to make the world a better place um you know it can be scary, especially if it comes with a substantial financial impact um which you know you can read through the lines and i'm I'm sure you can guess it did um <laughs> yes. you know imagine through- I was gonna ask that that would be rude but i figured i figured yeah. it did yep yeah, it it certainly did. Um, but you know, I, I was lucky enough to, to, to have, to be able to make the decision. Um, right. And, um, so, you know, if you feel, you know, deep down inside, it's the right move, then it probably is. Um, and so it may not be something immediate, but, you know, working towards it to, to make that change is, um, you know, I, I think it's, would, would be what I would say to someone considering it. Um, did,
0: Did you have, um, and I've mentioned it before, just on the podcast in other areas, like did you have in your gut, like did something not, when you were in healthcare, when you were with Maine Health, did you feel um, throughout your time there, did you feel that in your gut that there's something beyond and like maybe you couldn't place your finger on but you just felt inside yourself or intuitively that there's something other than this I should be doing or, or looking at was it, yeah, was that I mean, part of your existence?
1: <laughs> it, it was. And I, you know, I think it was always sort of there with me because, you know, it was, it was interesting that I, I sort of, I had this career path. Um, but at, at the same time in my, my weekends and nights, I was volunteering for organizations, the Coast Guard Auxiliary and Peace Ridge that were very, very different from what I was doing as a career. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I enjoyed, you know, in my career, I, I knew I, I liked architecture. I wanted to be an architect. I enjoyed the, the work that I was doing. But there was this other part of me that was thinking, well, you know, I like I like um, uh, teaching, which I did um, at the Boston Architectural College. I liked teaching for the Coast Guard Auxiliary um, on boating safety. And, you know, as I was, quick side story, I was in a boating accident when I was a kid. Um hmm. So that kind of it stuck with me a bit, and so that was, you know, joining the the, the Coast Guard and, and teaching the rules of the road and how to handle your boat and all that sort of stuff. Were you uh, it was it How amazing. old were
0: you when that accident happened?
1: Um, I think I was probably ten.
0: Oh wow! Were you like. out, in? were you out in Everett, or were you somewhere in Boston Harbor,
1: or? No, um, we were, my, uh, grandparents actually had a cottage in New Hampshire and we were, they were at, they had a small pond up there. So we were, we were out there and, um, we were, um, it had rained the night before or the morning or something, I can't remember. Um, and so it was my, my dad, my brother, um, and my cousin who had gone out, um, just to sort of, you know, drain the bilge and just take a quick <laughs> putter around the, uh, um, the pond. And this guy came out of nowhere, um and from behind us and he wasn't watching where he was going. Unfortunately, he was looking at a skier that was, that was getting pulled by another boat behind him. Um, and ended up, um, nearly, well, he nearly T-boning us, but he jumped essentially jumped over the back of our boat um, oh, yeah. and took out the, the motor and, and our boat went up in the air and it was, it wow. was went in the water, which is good. Um, but you know, a split second, difference and he would have actually t-boned us um and who knows what what would have happened there so yeah yeah Um, so that always you know that was always in my mind and um it i think the the coast guard was a was a way for me to address that um and then the with peace ridge um you know having um sort of having that um empathy towards animals i think was was something for me that um, I wasn't, I was trying to, you know, fill that void again, um, or had that in the back of my mind, how do I address this? And so starting volunteering with them, um, and then even just using the skills that I had to help the organization with graphic design and, and, and architectural design and public affairs, um, and then things like that, communications, um, all the stuff that i learned in architecture school, um, and, applying that to an organization that I, I felt, you know, um, um, yeah, a much bigger connection to. So I guess the, well no, the, the, this is a long answer, but,
0: um, <laughs> okay. it, uh,
1: I think it was the, you know, having again, that career path where I was doing a certain thing with architecture and then eventually healthcare, but on the side, it, I sort of had these other things that were, I was addressing my own personal, um, um, interests with um at at some point it they just kind of overtook you know the personal side overtook the career side and said if i can make a career and i can actually do this um i can en- this is great you know like like they say you know if you enjoy what you do you never work a day in your life right um i thought hey this this maybe this is it um this this could be it for me um so yeah that's I think that's where the the leap came from.
0: Very interesting. Did you, had you ever thought beyond director for your career path in healthcare or were you content where you were for a little bit, you know, oversee the big project? You're still, you know, you're not yet 40, you're a director at a system. Were you kind of content with that stop for the time being?
1: Um, no, I mean, being the, being the person I am, I'm always sort of looking for, you know, well, what happens if, this position opens up, you know, in front of me. Um, it's it's how I got the director position that I had. You know, I was I was a project manager for a while, and I said, well, you know what? I, I think I could be the director. Um, <laughs> and the position opened up, and I went for it and got it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you know, if if things if things were different and I didn't have those other sort of personal things going, um, sure. then yeah, I mean, that would have been my the next logical move was, was to, um, was to go a little higher in the, in the organization.
0: So relative to, um, healthcare design and construction, um, kind of, you're not an outsider cause you were an insider, so you're never really outside of it. But what, you know, if, if you look back at healthcare design and construction, what if anything do you think could improve, could be done to improve that process now that you're on the outside looking in?
1: Um, That was a good question. Um, You know, one of the things that surprised me when I entered the healthcare design field was how many players there were, um, especially in in a large hospital setting, Um, you know, a small renovation on a patient floor touches dozens of departments, um, all of whom have some stake in the success of the project, either design wise or operationally. And Uh, As, you know, designers and project managers, we do our best to incorporate everyone in that process, Um, which again, in a large organization, it can be cumbersome, but um, I think it's, it's very valuable. Um, And I'm not sure what can be done to improve the process on a larger scale, Um, especially because, you know, many hospitals operate differently, but, you know, for me, I think the, the best way to ensure that the project is a success is to involve as many stakeholders as needed to get it right. Um, And I've been involved in in some projects where only a small group of people are involved in decision-making and inevitably things are missed. Um, You know, it, it just doesn't work for whatever reason. Um, And I've been involved in projects where we've had town hall meetings um, where everyone (laughs) is invited to participate, bring the whole hospital, um, you know, and Those two extremes, yeah, Yeah, I know. Um, (laughs) Brace yourself. Right, exactly. Um, You know, but you 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 learn a lot about the operation of that hospital by having those meetings. And um, you know, it's a chore to go through everything, obviously. But you know, you everyone feels a part of the process. Um, Not every project would require that type of large scale input, but it certainly ensures that every little detail is considered. Um, So. don't miss something. Cause it's, it's ultimately what you're always afraid of as an, as an architect is, um, you know, you, you, you have that ribbon cutting. And then on day one, you know, the first patient arrives and you go to do whatever <laughs> it was and it's like, Oh my God, we can't do that. <laughs> you yes. know, it's now there's post-its everywhere. And there's, there's, you know, stick on hooks everywhere. And you know, this, all those things that sort of drive you nuts as an architect were, you know, clutter and, um, there isn't a place for everything. Um, you know, it's so you, you try to, you try to address as much as that as you can. Um, do you
0: have yeah. a similar in what you're doing now, um, at Peace Ridge, do you have user groups or the equivalent or I'm sure you must have to involve many people in what you do now? Is it the same extent proportionally as in healthcare?
1: Well, you know, when you invite a, a herd of cattle to talk about what the next barn is going <laughs> to the, the conversation isn't as deep. As it, um, it pretty much stops at Moo and then you're done. Um, yeah, they can open doors. It, exactly, yeah. It's, it's a very <laughs> very one-direction uh, conversation. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I mean, we have, we have our staff. And I think, you know, the staff that operate those barns that are in there every day they're cleaning they're taking care of the animals they're giving the medications even doing small medical procedures um, all comes into play when when we're trying to you know, design a new facility um, it you know it comes down to it, like anything with any design it's flow it's operation it's materials lighting um how do you get in how do you get out how do you get materials in materials out Um, how do you get animals in? Is there enough room to back a trailer in? What do you do once the trailer leaves? You know, how many gates, what type of gates? Um, it, there's all that detail really comes into play, um, just as in any design process. So I think, you know, the, the staff that we have being the ones who are most familiar with that operation, especially me being, you know, relatively new to the, um, to the more operational design aspects of it. Um, it's, it's all very helpful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you relative to the design on the outdoors? I mean, and i I'm imagining that, you know, the, the acreage you have is enough, but do you have to put any design considerations relative to grasses, plants, you know, the, the, the area outside the barn or is, does nature get, take care of that area at that end of it for you?
1: Um, we haven't really had to deal with that yet, but, um, it's, it's certainly a consideration. You know, there are, there are certainly certain plants and and trees that are hazardous to certain animals, um, that you'd want to not put those animals near or, or plant those types of, um, trees or grasses or whatever it might be. Um, but, um, yeah,
0: that's uh, I'm not sure how to answer that one. It's uh Yeah, no, I was I was yeah. just thinking of it, you know, as you were as you were talking about. It, I you just I I mean, I know nothing, but I was thinking, well, you're you know, you're outside and they've always kind of been outside, so there maybe there's just a natural adaptation to it.
1: Sure, yeah.
0: I, I should say too, for those of you joining, I'm talking to Dennis Morelli. Dennis is the shelter property and projects manager at Peace Ridge Sanctuary in Brooks, Maine. And prior to joining Peace Ridge about nine months ago, Dennis was the director of design and construction for the Maine health system for five years. So it's been an interesting discussion about career transitions, healthcare, animals, all over the edge. So I appreciate Dennis joining us. A couple other questions as we're just kind of running up to the end. Dennis, is there, um, relative to um, your ability to take in animals, you know, like, if, Long-term care hospitals are frequently at capacity. Are you at capacity? Um, does does the demand to get in is it higher than what you can provide? Is there a big demand for locations such as Peace Ridge?
1: There, unfortunately, yes the the demand mm-hmm. is is quite high. Um, really? We're yeah we're we're called um, we receive dozens of calls a week about um, either animals that are um, looking to be relinquished Um, owners can no longer care for them. Um, Or we're getting calls from a animal control officer who is involved in a situation where they don't know what to do. Um, And there's, unfortunately there's not, there's no, there's no place to take these animals is, is the unfortunate part. You know, when you have a, what do you do with a herd of goats um, that are not being cared for? You, and take them to the local shelter. Um, and you know, we, we are the the largest, um, sanctuary in the state. Um, and so there are a few other sanctuaries, um, in Maine that are able to help. Um, but we tend to be the first call, um, either from the animal control officers or the state humane agents, um, And so what we, we have to do is we have to prioritize the ones who need us the most. Um, if we took in every animal that we're called about, we, we'd have, you know, thousands of animals and we, you know, we did, we certainly can't operate like that. So, um, so yeah, for us, it's, we really do have to prioritize the ones that need our help the most, um, which unfortunately means saying no a lot, um, you know, which, you, you obviously feel awful um, not knowing what the fate of, of these animals are going to be um, if you do say no. Um, but, um, you know, sometimes you can network them to other shelters. Um, you can have them adopted out to, to, to other folks as well. But, um, but yeah, they, the, the question we get a lot is, um, or if we mention that the need is, is there, that there is a great need. A lot of people are... are Um, surprised by that Um, but you know in a a mostly rural state like Maine um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of homestead uh, homesteaders a lot of people who have their own animals Um, there are a lot of larger farms there's a lot of family farms there's a lot of agriculture in the state and so obviously that that breeds the need for or, or it, it results, unfortunately, in situations where um, the animals just aren't being cared for, and we have to do something about it.
0: Speaking of, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I like, that's that's your beagle, correct? Yeah, yeah, we have two yeah. of them. Just one more question relative to 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 your time at Peace Ridge, and I know that this is a. I, I know a couple of guys I used to work with who actually use this as an interview question. In healthcare facilities, not for what you do, but what is your? Uh, do you have a favorite animal at Peace Ridge, and and why?
1: <laughs> um, I think it's like asking a parent who their favorite child is. <laughs> okay, uh, if you
0: don't want to answer, you don't have to. <laughs> I won't tell them. <laughs>
1: um, you know, it, it's it's interesting. You know, you're when you when you spend time around so many different species. Um, you know, chickens, turkeys, pigs, sheep, goats, cows, horses, donkeys, you know, they're all there. Um, each one of them has um, their unique personality and they're all unique, just like we are as, as humans. Um, so, you know, I guess rather than picking an individual, if I was to pick a species, um, I, I would say um, I do have a particular connection with cows. Um, really? In general. Yeah. You know, they're, they're kind, they're inquisitive, they're smart, they're playful. Um, they're, they're very similar to dogs in many ways. Uh, they're just, they're just cool animals. Um, the fur I remember, I still remember the first cow that we rescued, um, back when I was just a volunteer, um, at our original location. Um, he was, uh, his name is Theo. He was only, uh, he was just a couple months old at that point. Um, and, I had him, um, I had my camera with me that day and I was out in the field and, you know, you're not, uh, you're not supposed to do this when you're, um, taking care of a farm animal because they can, it can lead to some behavioral issues, but I'm going to say it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I was, I was playing with him. I was, uh, I would, you know, take a couple photos and sort of get them riled up. And then I would take off in the field. I would run away, um, turn around and stare at him. And then he would charging towards me and i had these great photos of him you know coming towards me and he would come to a dead stop four feet away from me
0: really and then how, he'd do it again. <laughs> when you say when you say charging at you how i mean i see cows right? i never really see them moving quickly how quickly did, did did he come at you
1: no he's a cat he was a calf um so they they can run very quickly um for sure
0: interesting
1: yep yeah yeah <laughs> that's that's awesome that's theo yeah. the cat theo yeah yep he's 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 a grown grown cow now but um but yeah he's uh he was the first one that we rescued and um but you know and they all the, the funny thing is and and a lot of people don't know and i didn't know this um you know coming from everett you know in in the middle of a um urban setting like that, but you know spending time around the farmed animals you it, most of us don't get that experience. Um, You don't really get to know them as an animal. Um, But when you come to a location like ours and the caregivers call out the names of the individual animals and they turn around and look at you, like, what do you got? got Something for me? And they'll come (laughs) over to you. Um, You know, it's, it's really a, a, it's a special place, I think. Um, So yeah, it's, I don't know, so I guess I'll say cows are my favorite, but uh, maybe Theo. I don't know because he was the first one. But
0: and do they live out there? Do do they transition out of there, or do they live out their life on the on the farm?
1: No, the vast majority of the animals that we rescue, uh, the farmed animals, uh, we do have a small dog rescue program as well. Um, who they, they are mostly adopted out, but the uh, farmed animals are with us for for their lives.
0: Nice, nice. So. Dennis Morelli has been kind enough to join me. Dennis is the shelter property and projects manager at Peace Ridge Sanctuary in Brooks Maine. Two quick questions, Dennis. They really are quick and then I'll let you go. First one, I didn't ask you because I thought it was just so obvious in listening to you and I'm sure anybody who's listened to the podcast would probably be able to guess your answer, but are you happy with your career transition?
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, sorry. Um, sorry. yeah it's, it's been very re- uh, rewarding in, in so many different ways. Yeah.
0: Excellent. And secondly, um, and I know people can Google stuff and they can find it, but is there any um any location or, or any place you could point people if they wanted to learn a little bit more or you know, just even expand their knowledge about what you guys do and, and the types of things that are that are going on, any location to give to people?
1: Yeah, sure. So our um I think go into our website, it has um all the information that you can need. It's um Peace Ridge Sanctuary, all one word org, um, Or you can go to our Facebook page and um, we, we do multiple posts a day about um, a lot of the stories of the animals that are there um, and just the general goings on and events. Um, we do have our open houses, which are underway right now. Um, and you can uh, sign up for one of those on our, on our website as well and come spend a few hours with the animals.
0: Awesome. Wow, that's uh, that's great, Dennis. I appreciate your time. I uh, I thank you so much for uh, appearing on the show. <laughs> Very interesting. Very what a great uh, what a great story. What a great career transition. Congrats.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So that was Dennis Morelli from Peace Ridge Sanctuary in Brooks, Maine. I'm Peter Martin. My thanks to Dennis again for appearing. I appreciate you listening, and we will be back again easy for me to say. We'll be back again with another episode of High Reliability. Thank you and have a great day.